Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, Lifehouse. Good morning, good morning. God's good, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I want to take just a moment and um, just, to, just to give you a word. Uh, I always tell people I've had the, the privilege and the honor for the last probably two decades plus um, to be a message boy. And that's all I consider myself. I'm a message boy for the Lord. And this morning, while um, worship was taking place, God began to speak in my spirit. Just one little phrase. And this is for somebody in the house. This is for somebody that's listening online. And he said this. He said, tell them I see them. Tell them I see them. And this is specific for somebody who probably is this week, maybe even this week, said a word like, I'm not even sure God sees me. I'm not even sure he knows I'm, I'm here. And if that's you, God stopped things this morning just to let you know he sees you, okay? Whoever that's for, you need to write that down. Come on, you can give me a hand for that. God's good. Yeah. He sees you. So if that's you, listen, if you're listening online, that's you listening online, we want you to type in the chat this morning. Um, If that's you in the house, maybe stop by afterwards and just talk with one of us uh, on staff and let us know that. But God's good. Um, He speaks to us through his written word and through the revelated word, through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. It's true. It's true. Uh, We got some, man, I could just talk for a little while. God's got, uh, he's just amazing. He's done amazing things this week. I'm going to bring something back to you next week just to share with you, and you're going to get excited. Um, You want to praise God for um, the testimony. How many like testimonies? I do too. So that was a little teaser. I'm just going to get you back here next week uh, for the testimony. I'm not going to give it to you today uh, unless the Lord says so. But uh, it's good to be in God's house. I am continuing on with this uh, series we're in. It's on the wall there, lovey-dovey, right? We are two days, say two days, from Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, it is crunch time, okay? (laughs) Some of you, all you're thinking about is the Super Bowl. Let me shift your gears for just a couple minutes, all right? We'll get back to the Super Bowl. But just for a couple minutes, it's crunch time, all right? In two days, uh, you're going to go into emergency mode if you don't get her done. In the next couple days, you don't even really have two days, do you, right? Uh, Really kind of a day and a half. So uh, it really is. Valentine's Day is coming up very quickly. It's upon us. Uh, And it is, is, think of it this way, it is the Super Bowl of love, all right? Yeah, amen. Uh, the only one I, I only heard the ladies on that. There was just a, uh, amen to that. But l- l- uh, listen, you got some time. Get out there. Get it done. I'll let that loved one know uh, how much you love them. And uh, last week, last week we gave you an index card. Now we stuck one on your seat again today. You have an index card and a pen, and that's there for a reason. I want some class participation this morning. If you didn't fill this out last week, you can fill it in this morning. That's why we have it there. And what you are supposed to do with this card is on one side, you can do it on the line side or the, or the blank side. It doesn't matter. You can use both sides of this card. And if you forgot your card, you forgot to bring it back, you can use this one. And if maybe you remember what you wrote last week. But on this card, you're supposed to put your definition of love. How would you describe love? What would be the adjectives that you would use? What would be the things that you would say about it? What are the, what I call the irreducible minimums, right? What is the, at a very minimum, what would you say love is? A definition of that. Write it down. There's something about writing things. There's something about getting your hands on and writing something. 
Write down on one side what your definition of love is. Put it down. Write it down. I'm going to give you just about 10 seconds to do that. And listen, be honest. Whatever went flashing through your mind that love is, write it down on one side of that card and kind of put just a couple terms, a couple adjectives, maybe a description of some kind. Maybe it's a phrase. I know some of you are super detailed. You're writing the whole card out, right? You're going to scribble really tiny the whole way down to the bottom. But write it out. Because on the other side of this card, what we want you to do over these next couple messages is I want you to write down what God's definition of love is. And I want you to compare the two. You know, our definition's on one side. And, and we'll, as we go through Scripture, I want you to put the other definition on the back side of that card, on the opposite side of that card, and see how much they line up. The idea is to see how much our definition of, uh, of love is versus God's definition of love. Do they look similar? Are there some similar words? Are there some similar things that we put in there? Or is it completely different? And we learned last week that God has an order in love. He really does. There's order in love. He, said, he tells us, as a matter of fact, in the Word of God, what to love first and what to love second. He said in his Word that we're supposed to love God first and love people second. Now, if you want the full version of that, you're just going to have to go back and listen to it online, right? You can go back and listen to that message. But God has an order. He's got a rhythm to, to things. He's got an emotion that, that goes along with love. And it's to love God first, right? Because he is first. And then we love people second. And everything else falls underneath that. And in a world that you currently live in, in the world that I currently live in, we got to get this right. Because I don't know if you've taken a look around you, but if you take a look at Hollywood, TV, movies, uh, just in general in society, they've got some messed up definitions of love. There's some things that don't line up probably with your definition and certainly don't line up with God's definition. Matter of fact, if you're looking at the world around you, good chance that it's going to look completely opposite from what God says love is. So we've got to really get this right. We, got, we want to take a deep look at this. You need to know this. Your children need to know this, right? Your teenagers definitely need to know this, all right? They need a right definition of love. And our children need to know what love is. We need to grab a hold of what God says the definition of love is. So if you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to issue a little bit of a challenge um, we, we've, uh, I think sometimes in church we've almost created uh, a, a sense of, um, I don't want to call it laziness, but sometimes we, we circumvent something that's good by, by providing something. And we put the scriptures up on the screen, which I think is a really good thing, so you can see them. I think it's good visually for you to be able to see those, but it's a good thing to bring your Bible. And let me tell you why. Now, that could be an electronic device, that could be a, a Bible like we used to always carry, right, our Bible around. But here's the thing with bringing your Bible along to church. You never know why you're reading and looking in your own word, right, in your own Bible, if God's going to give you a revelation about something, if he's going to give you an idea about something. Now, I'm a scribbler, by the way. In my Bible, if you get in there, you're going to find stuff in the margins. I'll write sideways. I'll write in the corners. I'll write between things. Now, some people don't. But I write in there, and, and there's notations because sometimes when you're reading God's Word for yourself, it's God speaking something completely different than I might even be speaking. So let me challenge you. Bring your Bible. If you got it on, uh, on your electronic device, pull that thing open. Don't get on Facebook, all right? Pull it. Pull that thing open and, and, and take notes because God will speak while we're here. I, I believe, anybody believe that? 
Amen? All right? It's not just about me talking. God will speak to you this morning. So 1 John 1, 1. Now, I'm starting at one, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. We're really going to land in chapter 2, verse 3 and 6. But I, sometimes it's good to read to get context. Sometimes it helps you to understand what's going on in Scripture. You, get a, you can even get a feel while you're going through Scripture. So I'm going to read the first chapter, which is pretty short, and then we're going to go into chapter 2. And it says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. Say light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Whew. Amen? All right. Chapter 2. And my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. If we sin, Jesus is the remedy for our sin. If you don't get anything else out of the message this morning, know that. He's the remedy for our sin. He is the propitiation. He is the, the replacement, right? We deserve death. Jesus took death for us. And because of that, we can be free from sin this morning. Amen? Amen. It's in God's word. First, and and um, verse 3 says this, Now by this, and this is where I'm trying to get to, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. John likes calling people liars. All right? And the truth is not in him. I love it. First John, uh, he dispels the lies that we tell ourselves, right? If we're walking in darkness instead of the light, but we say we still have fellowship with God, John says, you lie, all right? You're lying to yourself. You're, you're telling yourself an untruth. He says to know God and to not keep his commandments. You say you know God and you don't keep his commandments. He says it's a lie. Verse 5 says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. I can tell you this, that loving God looks an awful lot like obeying his words. Okay, if you want to write something down this morning, loving God looks like us obeying his words. Evidence of our love for God shows up in our obedience to God. It really does. There's a direct relationship between our love for God and our obedience to God. Following his commands, doing what he said, uh, living life, his plan for life versus living our plan for life, right? Um, doing what he said in the little things, the small things, doing what he said in the big things, 
right? And everything in between. I may know there's big things, little things, and middle things. There's things that we do. One of the ways that we love God is by doing what he commands. He said it in his word. And, and that should be super obvious in my life. It really should. It should be, uh, matter of fact, you should know that about me just by watching me. From the outside in, just by watching me, you should be able to tell that I love God because I follow what God says. There can be evidence that is seen by observation. It really is. Spiritual evidence can be seen in some cases by observation. It's not all just on the inside. There's some things that will manifest on, on the outside, right? People know that I love my wife, Dixie, who's sitting right here in the front row, my lovely wife, Dixie. They know I love her because they see my actions towards her, right? If I never talk to my wife in public, does that show much love? No, right? right? If I never put my arm around her, if we never really make eyes at one another, right? You can tell if I love my wife by my actions, by what I'm doing. You can watch me and see that. People know you love your kids by your actions, right? From what they observe. If I starve my children and I'm eating pretty good myself, how many know you can make some conclusions from that, right? You could draw a few conclusions. He's not a good dad, right? He, he doesn't love his children. We, we, you can do, it's pretty safe to say that they don't, you're right, if you were watching me, you wouldn't even have to have an interview. You wouldn't even have to talk with me. If I'm starving my children and I'm just over there eating lunch away, Right? You don't got you don't got to have come have a discussion with me. You'd question my love. Right? If I ignore my, my wife's wishes and, and her desires, pretty pretty safe to say that I love me more than I would love her, right? We can see it. My willingness to obey God's commands is an accurate measuring stick of my actual love for him. It says it in scripture. John 4 uh, 14, 15 says this if you love me. Keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and you will be and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, um, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. He says it again in John 14, 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my what? Word. And my Father will love him. And we will come into him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You don't see this once in Scripture. You don't see this twice in Scripture. You don't just see this here and there. It's all through Scripture. And if that isn't straightforward enough, I got a really good one for you, all right? 1 John 3, 7 says this, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. How many know that all those scriptures, it's not murky, right? It's not unclear. Uh, it's, not, it's not kind of obscure. It's not me picking out, cherry picking a scripture and saying, you know, I think it might kind of say this, right? It is clear. In the word of God, what does love look like when we're talking about loving God? When we're at that first part, right, in that rhythm of loving God, it looks like I obey what he says. It looks like I obey his commands. It looks like that his rule of life is my rule of life. I do things his way. And to do anything else is really kind of lying to myself about my love for God. That's straight, isn't it? Come on, it is. Just nod at me. Just wink. Something, all right? It's simple. It's clear. So here's the big idea. Here's the question. If we're looking at ourselves, and I want you to think about this, and I want you to think, just you alone, just, this is all about you, all right? If you're looking at ourselves, would there be enough evidence to conclude that we love God based on our obedience to God? If you were looking at yourself outside in, Pretend you're outside of yourself. Human beings can do that, right? We can pretend that we're outside of ourselves and we can look at ourselves. But if somebody was looking at you and all they were basing on you, it was your, you know, how much you loved God off of your obedience to Christ or off your obedience to God, what would they conclude? Because right, because we said at the beginning of this, you you can you can see it, right? You can see my love for my wife, you can see my love for my children. Can you see that with God? Would that come up as, you know what, I follow God's commands, and, so, and if I was looking at myself, I'd conclude that I love God, because that's what God said, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you, he said it over and over and over. It's a rhythm in God's word. I see the wheels turning. I see the smoke flying. You're thinking, right? That's the rhythm. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, now let's hit the love people part, right? Second part of the rhythm. 1 John 3, 13 says this, Do not marvel, my brother, and I've given you lots of scripture this morning. I hope you're writing down, right? Do not marvel, my brother, and if the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Man, he, I'll tell you, there's a lot of strange scripture in 1 John, right? And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We cannot say we love God and not actively love people. If we love God, if we follow his commands, we have to actively love people. Tell somebody beside you, now don't only do this if you know them, okay, because it'll be weird, but I must actively love you. Go ahead and say it right now. You've probably never said that to anybody else in your life, all right? And again, only if you know them, because it'll be weird otherwise. I must actively love you. 
All right? I must do that. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I must actively love you. I, I, you know, and, and the word active actually you know, kind of brings in that connotation or that denotes the idea of activity. Right? It, it has to be activity. There has to be action. It has to be actionable. Right? It means I do instead of just talk. Right? There's got to be some motion in my commotion. It means that I do a deed and, and, and I don't just talk about doing the deed. It means that there's something that you can see. It means that you, that it means that you could literally point. Right? Today's about seeing things on the outside. You could literally point and say, I see that. Right? That looks like I'm doing something. That looks like I'm helping somebody. That means I'm meeting somebody's need. Scripture says, if my brother or sister, now this isn't just talking about your immediate family, right? This is not talking about your, your siblings. This is talking about in the body of Christ. This is talking about among the community of believers. This is talking about the church of Jesus Christ worldwide, right? Brother and sister, if we see a brother or sister in need in the household of faith, if it's a legit need, all right? How many know we got to have a legit need? How many know there are illegit needs, <laughs> okay? All right? Uh, now, maybe we ought to stop and define that just a little bit, right? What a legit need. Now, me telling you that I need a brand new car from you is not a legit need, right? It's not legit. It's cool, all right? But it's not legit, all right? It'll be very exciting, but it's not legit. It, 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 but a need is, but if I said to you, you know what? I don't have a car. And I need a car to get back and forth to work, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't have the money to buy one right now. That's a need, all right? That, that was something that somebody could say, I really need that, and I need that at this point in time. That's a legitimate need. We got to come. And listen, if your 16-year-old tells you, I need a car, how many know that's not a legit need? That means I want a car. That's not, I need a car. I want a car, right? Right? How about, I need a day at the spa, ladies. <laughs> All right. I don't know, is that a need or is that a want? All right? What is that? I don't know. All right? It's, it's too close to Valentine's. I'm not going to call it. All right? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. All right? Is it a need or is it a want? I need a million dollars. Well, do you really? You know, maybe you want a million dollars. Do you need it, right? Chocolate. All right. Oh, I don't know. Need or want? Need, all right? We've got some needs. In it. All right. If my brother or my sister has a legit need and I have the means to help, the Word of God says if I'm going to love God, that means i got to love people by helping to f- take care of that need. That's on me. It really says that. You know, their problem becomes my problem. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He said, it's going to be the defining mark of of those who follow me. He said, you're going to take care of one another. It's going to be an identifying trait of, of those who follow Jesus Christ, that they'll take care of people in the family. This is family, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not. All right. One of the reasons we call it Life House, because this is a house, it's family, the people of God. Um, taking care of our own is a kingdom thing. It really is. It's all through God's word. We take care of people in the family. We do. And, and, and I'm going to give a shameless plug right here. You should be in a life group. You know why? That's a great place to tell somebody your need. 
It really is. Somebody can't help you with your need if you don't bother telling anybody. Now, I know you can tell somebody outside of life groups, but it's so much better in a life group. All right? You shall get in a life group. You get to know those people. You get to connect with those people. And all of a sudden, you feel free enough to start telling them your need. And it's not always a physical need, right? It's not always something that that you can tangible that we can put our hands on. But there's somebody there that can help you with the need. You should get connected. Back of your card. Take your card right now. Loving people means I actively engage in meeting their need. If they have a need, a legit need, if it's a brother or sister in the back of your paper, it should tell you that. Write it down. James 2.14 says this, what does it profit, my brother? And if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for their body, what does it profit? What's a profit? Look around you. If your brother or sister is naked, now I know that's obvious if it's physical, right? But, but there are a lot of people that are around us that are naked. And, and it's because life has stripped them. Life has, has stripped them of, of, of a, an inner clothing. And, and they're naked and they're, and they're cold and they're beaten down and they're shivering and they're in need of help. They need someone to come up beside them. If you love God, we got to love people. And, and if we've got what they need, we need to give it to them. We need to release it. We need to let it go. Listen to a dialogue between Jesus and Peter. I love this. And, and this, this dialogue takes place after Jesus rose from the grave and before he ascended into heaven. He's meeting, he's talking with the disciples and says this. So when they had eaten breakfast, I love they just sat down and eat breakfast, right? I don't know what they had. I don't know if they had oatmeal or fish or what they had back then. All right, but when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Barjona, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, Jesus said this to Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Take care of children. Take care of the family. Take care of the household of faith. If we love Jesus, if we say we love God, we have to actively feed each other. We've got to take care of each other. We've got to pay the price for someone. Love costs, by the way. If you think you're going to love and it's going to cost you nothing, you have no idea what love is. Love costs. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you um, comfort. It's going to cost you uh, sleep sometimes. It's going to cost you, sometimes it's going to cost you uh, getting out, out of your comfort zone and into an uncomfortable zone. Love costs. It costs. It's going to cost you time, right? You think you're going to love and not give up some of your time? You're wrong. It costs. Jesus showed up this way for us. He came to this earth. He left heaven. He didn't have to. He's he's the king, the prince in heaven. 
He left heaven. He came here and, and died on a cross, gave up everything to show us love, to care for, care for us. Love God, love people. And it doesn't stop with our brothers and sisters, by the way. And I don't got time to unfold this. But in Luke 10, 25, many of us, or maybe you know this story, maybe you don't, but it's the story of the Good Samaritan. And if the praise team would come um, while they're coming out, I'll tell you this story just briefly. But the, the, the gist of the story is that a lawyer comes to Jesus and, and he starts to question Jesus about the commandments. And of course, they talk about the greatest commandment, which is love God and, and we're supposed to love people and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the lawyer says, well, who exactly is my neighbor, right? And Jesus doesn't give him a straight answer because Jesus never really did most of the time. He tells him a story. And he starts to tell him a story about a Samaritan who's going down the road, or by, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he starts to tell a story about a wounded individual laying in the street. And people start walking down the road where this wounded individual is. And there's a, a priest that comes by, and there's a, a religious Levite um, that comes by. And both of them kind of turn up their nose and walk to the other side of the street, right? The religious people walk to the other side of the street and just keep on moving from this person who's half dead, half unconscious, beat up, ragged, probably bloodied along the street. And all of a sudden, a despised Samaritan comes up, walks down the street, stops, and ministers to this person. And not only do they minister to him, not only do they try to start to bind up their wounds and, and to help them, but they also put him on their, their, their donkey, and they take him to the, the innkeeper, and, and, and they get him a room, and they pay for the room. Remember I said love costs? Right? And they pay for the room. And, they, and that this Samaritan tells the innkeeper, listen, here's some money, and I'm just going to go ahead and leave you some money and in case they need to stay longer. And, and if they stay longer and I owe you more, I'll pay you when I come back around the next time. That's for somebody he did not know. Who's my neighbor? Anybody comes across my path. Who do I love? Anybody comes across my path. If God allows you, right? If God puts you in a place where somebody comes across your path, that's your opportunity. That's your opportunity. How many do we miss? I'm pointing at me, by the way. Man. Love God, all right? If we love God, we follow his commandments. But if we say we love God, we have to actively love one another. We have to actively love people. Because John tells us, if, to say anything different, to say that we have the love of God in us and to not do those things, we lie. We tell ourselves a lie. We ask if you'd stand. Lovey-dovey. <clears throat> Pretty straight. This is God's definition. This is some of how God defines love. In a believer. It may line up with yours, it may not. It doesn't matter if it lines up with yours. You should line yours up with his. I need to line mine up with his. Because anything outside of that starts to slip into selfishness, starts to slip into a way that's not his way. And we'll look like just like everybody else's love. The word of God, if you remember last week, says that God is love. He's not just the definer of love. He's not just one who shows us how to love. He is love. 
he tells us in the scripture what to do and how to walk out love. And we're going to be active. We're going to be active. This is challenging for me too. It is so easy just to walk by, right? You know, the kicker with all this is nobody knows when you do that, right? Except you. Nobody knows. You walk right by somebody, there's nobody else calling that out in you. Maybe Holy Spirit. Are we active? You ready to pray, church? Man, I can, I can feel His Spirit. Father, we come to you today. Jesus, we do not want to deceive ourselves. Lord, I do not want to lie to myself. Lord, I don't want to pretend that I'm something I'm not. I don't want to pretend that I'm doing something that I think is righteous and really isn't. Lord, I want in my heart it's settled. Lord, that if I love you, I will follow your commands. I will follow your way of life. I will follow what you call righteousness, right living. And God, if I love people like I'm supposed to, God, I'll do that actively. God, if I got a brother or sister who has a need, Lord, I want to be part of the answer. If it's within my means, if it's within my ability. God, I pray, line up our definition of love. God, help us to know what your definition is. God, if we're not walking this out, we repent. Lord, as a body of believers together, Lord, and, and God, they're praying with me and they can repent or they can confess right now to you. Well, Lord, we confess and we repent. And Lord, we shift and we commit to this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a world that is watching. There is a world that is looking for what is real. There's a world that wants to experience real love. And they're searching for it in all kind of places and in all kind of ways. They're going to leave them empty. They're going to leave them void. Take what's real. Take what is love. Amen? And show them. Let them see it. Let them see it in you. They might not understand it at first when they're looking. That's okay. Let them look. Let them watch. We'll walk it out. Amen? Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.